Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. You guys are going to love this episode. Nick Huber, aka The Sweaty Startup, joined us. Um, man, he's uh, he's only 33 and he's He's had a lot of success already. He's an entrepreneur. He's got 10 different businesses and it, it, I feel like he's adding one every week, it seems like. Um, I follow him on Twitter along with 305,000 other people. This is a very, very good episode. We talk about how when uh, Nick was in college, he started this moving company, storage company, and how it really kind of started to fall apart before his eyes and he hadn't slept in three weeks. And that was one of his the worst days of his life. I think he said it was the worst day of his life um, during that period in college, but he rebounded and he's gone on to do some incredible things um, in self-storage and other real estate ventures and mostly service uh, service businesses. Um, so he, he talks about that, but he talks a lot about how health and family and, and fun um, are equally as important as making money. Um, so man, he's, uh, th this is a fun one. He drops a lot of knowledge. I, I got a lot out of this one. I'm really thankful that, that Nick took the time to talk, talk to us. And I know you're going to love it. Welcome to the, from adversity to abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm pumped today to have with us Nick Huber, a.k.a. The Sweaty Startup. Uh, Nick, how are you doing today? Jamie, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So um, along with 300 thousand plus other people I follow Nick on Twitter. Um, I get your newsletter as well. And um, 
Nick, you have a, a big, big following um, relative to the, I think my four Twitter followers. I'm just kidding, <laughs> but, but no, I'm excited to chat. I know you have a lot of experience in, in, uh, you know, self-storage, different aspects of real estate, commercial real estate. And now, now the um, ever growing uh, service company, uh, I, I guess portfolio, I should say. Um, but instead of me telling the audience, about you. Why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? What are you up to today? And kind of who do you serve? Who are you today? Yeah. So I uh, I started in 2011 with a small moving and storage company. Um, grew that company. By the time we, 2014, 15 rolled around, we were at, in, in 12 states, 25 major colleges with five part-time employees and 150, or, uh, 150 part-time employees, about four or five full-time employees. Um, 2016, we or started construction on our first self-storage facility, opened it up in 2017. Um, realized real quick that we wanted to get out of that business and do more real estate. So 2020 came around, we sold that moving and storage company, had a you know a, a sizable exit for us at the time, for sure, a seven figure exit. And then we got serious about real estate private equity, um, have kind of since went and raised a lot of capital from outside investors. We bought 63 self-storage facilities. Um, we bought them for a little over $100 million, raised $40 million of outside capital. And um, also, I'm an investor and partner in several other, um, like you said, agencies, real estate services, um, you know, small business services, companies, and also kind of growing a personal brand with 300,000 followers and about 90 million eyeballs a month across all my platforms, which is getting pretty crazy. So... Um, yeah, I guess I, I guess the best way to put it now is I'm a I'm a gatherer of people. I I I build teams. I I attract talent, and I'm trying to put as many smart people in the room as I possibly can. And and um, good things are already happening. So that's where I'm at today. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's obviously a ton there that we're gonna start to unpack. We can't cover everything. You, you've done a ton. Um, yeah, it's it's really really impressive. Um, so I know our listeners are gonna get a lot of value out of this for sure. Um, so. As you and I were talking before we hit record, the show is primarily, you know, it's from adversity to abundance. And just to set the stage a little bit, I don't pretend that, you know, Nick has no more challenges and he's reached uh, abundance and, and your adversity is in, in the rearview mirror 100%, of course. And we're going to talk about the challenges with entrepreneurship, et cetera. But, but there are lessons we can learn from some of the adversity that you've been through, um, maybe, you know either on a personal level or, or business related. Um, so I will let you pick it up where you'd like to, as far as, you know, what age you want to start at, but let's focus in on some of the adversity that you've been through, Nick, where do you want to start? Yeah. So I was lucky enough to be raised in a, in a very loving household with two parents that were relatively stable. I don't, I don't have a lot of past trauma or, um, you know, all the negative, you know, psychological and emotional effects that can come from that stuff. But um, yeah, I went to dove into entrepreneurship and I realized really quick that, hey, this stuff is hard. It's hard for everybody. And I think a great analogy of this is, is running a, a marathon. A marathon doesn't get easier as you get better at it. You just get faster. Hmm. Entrepreneurship is the same way. Like just because you look forward and you see somebody killing it, they're making all the money, they're starting multiple different businesses, they're thriving, they're succeeding. Just because you see them winning doesn't mean it's stress-free, doesn't mean it's easy, and doesn't mean they're not having a ton of uncomfortable 
conversations and hard doing hard things all the time. Business, the stakes go up. You know, you get better at business. The stakes go up. The, the amount of people, the amount of families, the amount of, um, you know, direct impact that you have on your community around you through your employees, through the work that you do, it all amplifies. So naturally the problems are amplified. More money, more problems is a very real thing. And, and yeah, entrepreneurship is the exact same. It's, it's hard from the beginning and you're not moving very fast and it's hard when you're good at it and you're moving really fast. And in a way it kind of gets harder and harder as you go. And maybe, maybe, um, some of us are kind of a, a glutton for punishment, but I think the, yeah. I mean, it's, it's no one story that stands out for me. I mean, sure. we've, we were in a, we were in a brutally hard business that moving and storage company. It was called storage yeah, talk, squad. Talk about that a little bit. If you would. It's a, yeah. it's a pickup and delivery student storage business. So when the kids moved out of their dorms yeah. in Boston, Philadelphia, Washington, DC, all these major cities, we would show up in box trucks with laborers, to pick up all their boxes, label them, take them back, drive them to a warehouse, store them in the warehouse and take them back to where they move the next year. We did 7,500 students and 50,000 items a year at our peak in 2017. And um, I mean, yeah, you're, you're hiring, you're hiring part-time laborers that don't really care that much about your business or your bottom mm -hmm. line to drive mm -hmm. around major cities and pick up people's stuff. And so massive so stress ensues when you got to, when you have nothing going on in January, nothing going on in April, and then May hits and the students move out and it's a Super Bowl and you have you have to have all the trucks rented, all the supplies ready, all the laborers ready to work and trained, all the warehouse spaces, you know, rented. You can only be in one of those cities. We, we were operating in, you know, at 14 locations in 12 states, at 25 major colleges. You, I could only be at one place at a time. So we had to learn how to run a business remotely. Um, but look, I think that's the beautiful thing about business is that when you grind your when you grind yourself and you and you hone your skills in a very difficult business mm -hmm. once you get into a good business amazing things can happen and you can hire you can train you can do every business is the same like no matter what business you're in if you're doing it well you're hiring you're firing you're managing you're training you're solving problems and you're delegating tasks mm -hmm. and yeah. Once you get good at that stuff, you can do amazing things. And and um, we got ground down by a really hard business and and came out the other side stronger for it. And it's one of the reasons why we've been pretty successful so far. Sure. So now I know you've, you've uh, had threads about, you know, I think maybe one time you had a, uh, don't, correct me if I'm wrong, I forget, but, it, but I forget the details, but maybe a breakdown on the side of the road or so, something like that. Um, can you speak to that briefly? Oh, you're gonna make me relive it, aren't you? <laughs> no, I mean the hardest the hardest day of my life was, you know, three weeks into a, a busy season and I hadn't slept in more than three hours in, in a, a a night for three weeks straight. And I was laboring myself because we didn't have enough uh workers and I was running a truck by myself and picking up boxes all day long and filling a truck and then spending the entire nights unloading the trucks at the warehouses. And mm -hmm. yeah, one day when your entire workforce is burnt out. They're quitting on you. They're making mistakes. Um, and one day, a, a one of our employees ripped the top off of one of our box trucks. That's the one area that you can't buy insurance through Pinsky. So we knew it was going to be a three to five thousand dollar f up on on our part when we didn't have the money to to, to cover those things. And uh, the same day, a uh, a guy put uh, gasoline fuel in a in a diesel truck, and it broke down the side of the road full of people's stuff that they needed to get back. And uh, another 
crew just left a truck abandoned on the side of the road. And this is at 2 p.m. on a Sunday. And I I realized real quick that, hey, my whole business is falling apart all the way around me. And I got no choice but to suck it up and work. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a panic attack slash anxiety attack slash mental breakdown for about an hour on the side of the road in Boston. <laughs> yeah. So, and the point of this, you know, podcast is not to, you know, bring drudge up <laughs> difficult times. I mean, it is, it is one of the risks we run. Um, but I, uh, you know, it, on some level I can relate, not, not the exact same situation, but it, entrepreneurship definitely puts a lot of pressure on the, the founder and the business owner. Um, one thing I want to touch on before we move, move on to some other, you know, some of the progress you've made through other businesses is um, the whole argument of, you know, following your passion versus um, maybe following the opportunity or trying to add value to people. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious what your thoughts are. I think you've got a lot out there, you know, that would probably relate to this uh, that people can can read on your Twitter, um, you know, and other 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 places. But I know you tend to, to focus on or promote at least like the service related businesses. So I guess my question is, what do you say to the person who says, follow your passion and you'll never have to work a day in your life? What is that? What's your response to that? I think far too many entrepreneurs look at the world with an emotional skew. Maybe it's a selfish skew because we're told our whole life that, hey, do what you want to do. Find a way to make a living doing what you love. Um, do what you know makes you happy. Follow your passion. Follow your dreams. Aim for the mm-hmm. stars. You know all these different things we're told our whole life. And 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 look, I get it. These teachers and, and family members are trying to inspire us. They're trying to mm-hmm. give us hope. They're trying to give us dreams. The truth is that if I was doing what I wanted to do all day, I would be playing a game. I would be playing golf. I'd be on a golf course chasing a white ball around. And mm-hmm. in no way, in no freaking world, am I entitled to earn money and pay and, and live and, and, and feed my family paying, playing a game. Yeah, in no I way. Like, how, how many people are out there trying to put a round peg in a square hole because they want to do something? They want to start <laughs> this business. They are passionate about X, Y, and Z. They love this, that, or the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, is such, that is such a horrifically wrong way to look at the world and the business world, especially because look, capitalism, our economy, yeah. it doesn't give a shit about you. Like Absolutely. I'm just gonna be the I'm gonna be yeah. the guy to say it. Sure. This world doesn't care about you. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't care what you want. It doesn't care who you are. And and the world is hard. It's hard. This 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 sure. this world that we live in is brutal. It's hard. And it's tough to be happy. It's tough to find meaning. It's tough to build relationships. It's tough to you know, earn money. It's everybody yeah. on the internet makes it seem like earning money is just an amazingly easy thing. Like you, you mm-hmm. hang out on Twitter and you just, you would just think money grows on trees. <laughs> that is, that is not true. So, so too many entrepreneurs think about the world in an emotional way. Yeah. When in reality, they're sitting at a poker table and they have chips in front of them and those chips represent 24 hours in a day. Mm. Yes. Everybody's sitting at a poker table. You got chips that represent an hour and you got 24 of a day given to you and you can choose how you spend them. Hmm. And you should be thinking about it like a, a, a poker player. Somebody who's going to play the odds, a gambler. Hmm. And if I'm going to devote my time and energy and resources towards this, what's going to be my ROI? Am I taking a one in a million dream shot or am I making a wise bet that a poker player would make? Mm-hmm. Um, too many business people 
you know, they start a restaurant because somebody told them they were good at cooking. Sure. They're, yeah. they're start, they're, they're going to, they were going to go to art school because somebody told them that they were, you know, uh, could, could be an artist. They're going to go to music school because they think they can play an instrument and get paid, you know, a yeah. great salary to, to play an instrument. I mean, these things, this is insanity. Like this is insanity. <laughs> when you, when, if we step back on emotionally and we think about that, we think about the fact that there's, there's probably 500 grown men that just got out of college that are going around trying to make a living playing golf. Three or three or four of them are going to make the tour because these guys play on the tour until they're 50 years old. It's the most competitive sport to play in the world. Yet we have these 24 year olds that are told by coaches, told by their parents, told by all these people that they can make it playing a game. And that's one of the things that's wrong with this world. No, I couldn't agree more. And I love the fact that it's really a matter of, even though you may have your own personal goals and ambitions and all that, and like we all do, we all should. I mean, really, it's a matter of focusing on others and where, where the value is to add to others. Um, and so I, I imagine when you were in college, you started this moving and storage business. You weren't drawn to move it like boxes. And, you know, it's like, I mean, who who wants to do that all day? That sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I love it. It doesn't mean you've got to be, you know, miserable every second of every day, but it's, it's not about you. It's really not about you. And when I say you, I mean, you, me, the listener. <laughs> life is a, a life, life is a, a marshmallow game. Have you heard of the marshmallow game where they put oh, yeah. a, they put the a, young kids. they put a four-year-old in front of a, a marshmallow and they yeah. say, they say, Hey, if you don't eat this marshmallow, I'm going to come back in this room in five minutes. I'm going to give you two marshmallows. But if you eat it now, you're only going to get one. And you see, you know, what percentage of the kids can actually like delay gratification and hold right. off on what they want that very moment in order to get something that they want two years from now, three years from now, four years from now. And a career is no different. Like you have to work hard. You have to grind. You have to do things that you don't want to do so that two, three, five, ten 10 years down the road, you can do what you want to do and you sure. can spend your time playing golf and you can spend your time doing what you want to do. But yeah, it's about looking at the market unemotionally and seeing who you can help. And, and right. money is money is nothing more than an exchange of value that you're 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 adding value to people's lives in a way that they're going to give you money and there's going to be excess money there's going to be excess money every party has to win your employee has to win the customer has to win and you as a business owner have to win if you're doing business well it's a win 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 scenario okay. where your employee is working they're earning 15 20 50 dollars an hour to work for you and they're happy about that that's a win for them they're they're doing it out of choice your customers paying you $100, $200, $300 for whatever you're giving them. And you as a business owner get surplus because you're adding more value to the world than you're taking. So if you look at the world unselfishly and say, hey, these are all the different things that I could potentially do to add value. I'm going to do one of these instead of doing what I want to do. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about who I'm going to serve. Love it. Awesome. So, you know, so you had a pretty, pretty difficult, uh, you, I guess, successful moving storage business, but then some difficult times when it Sounds like it, it started to fall apart right in front of your eyes. So walk us through, you know, the next five or 10 years. How did you progress through after college and all that? Yeah, we, I mean, it wasn't, another thing that I've learned in, in this entire thing is that every single bad situation that I've been in, it, looking back, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was at that very moment. Um, when When you're sleep deprived, when you're angry, when you're stressed, when you're, Emotions amplify a situation and they amplify your feelings and they amplify your stress and they amplify the chaos. Sure. So looking back, it wasn't an insurmountable issue at all. We, you know, 
couple hundred customers got their stuff a little bit late, but most of them were still happy and the business went on and we got better and we, and we had more systems, better hiring more people the next year. And it was a blessing. And, and, mm. and, uh, you know, we were 25, 26 years old, a few years later in 2015, and we had a half million dollars in the, in the bank. Um, you cannot awesome. do that. You cannot do that. If you work a W2 job, you can't. So mm. entrepreneurship gave us that gift and we were able to, um, then, you know, leverage that cash to, uh, the next bigger thing. And, and that was real estate for us. And, the lesson there for me, looking back at it, is that business is all about momentum. If I would have, if I would have hung out on Twitter or hung out, you know, on social media and, and looked at all the people who were where I wanted to be and said, "Hey, I need to get there. I need to get to where Chris Powers is with, you know, over a billion dollars mm-hmm. of industrial real estate, or I need to be where Moses Kagan is with two hundred million dollars of real estate in in L.A. I want to mm-hmm. be where all these people are. I would have never started a moving a, a moving company. Like it's about momentum and and taking one step after the other. So um, the small goals and the, and the achievable stuff was, was a necessity requirement for me. Yeah. I love that you're focused on, I mean, again, you have long-term goals, I'm sure, but you're focused on kind of what's right in front of you and doing it, doing a great job with, with the the service, um, you know, to others in your service business. So talk, so why, I mean, I'm a huge fan of real estate. A lot of listeners are big fans of real estate, but at that time, why did you decide to go into real estate? Um, we realized that our business was stressful. It was not ultra scalable. And looking back, it was a horrible business. But at the time, we were like, it's not the best business. We could maybe find a little bit better business. Where where are people making really good money that sure. are not are not working that hard or are not that smart? <laughs> right. And uh, we saw... Success leaves clues, right? Yeah. And, and we saw a lot of very wealthy um, and people who had... And and I and I say wealth, I don't just mean cash. I mean they had time freedom. They had, you know, good quality of life. They could control their schedule. They could do what they wanted to do in life. And a lot of them were real estate investors. And and then we started looking closer at self-storage and the way self-storage was managed. And we just thought, hey, this is a good business. We don't need to, we don't need to take over the world, but we can we can slice out our piece of the pie. We can mm-hmm. get our piece of this. We don't need all of it. We don't need to be a billion dollar startup. We don't need to scale it. We can, we can get our piece. Mm-hmm. And so we we dove in and did it. Yeah. So now we don't have to get too specific. But when you say we, is this the same business partner that you had before, or or mm-hmm. how did the yep. partnership look? Yeah, I had a I had a fifty percent partner in that first business who's still a fifty percent partner in my real estate private equity firm to this day. That's awesome. So on that point, how you know. Did you just get lucky or uh, looking back, like how did, how would you advise the listener to approach a partnership? Um, not, I'm not talking about a deal level partnership. I'm talking business long-term partnership. Yep. I think if you're, if you're inexperienced and you have, like there's three things you require to build a business. It's capital, it's a network and it's experience. If you don't have any of those things, if you don't have any of those things, you're in trouble. Hmm. Um, and it, and, going and get a partnership is kind of shooting in the dark. If you're in college and you walk in somebody's room and shake a hand with somebody, it's, it's, uh, it's like getting married on a first date. Um, right. not ideal as you get more experienced in life. And now in my current situation, I'm doing a lot of partnerships with a lot of different people because they bring different things to the table. There's operational partners, there's capital partners, there's, you know, network partners, there's partners for distribution, there's different skill sets and you, and you got to form that team. And yeah, right now where I am in my life, it's, 
hey, I have the distribution, I have the capital, and I have some guidance, but I don't have the time to run a company. So I need somebody who knows how to operate and run a company as a partner. Um, so I'm mm-hmm. building building partnerships that have that going on inside. But yeah, um, look, I'm a I'm a big proponent of partnerships. I've never started a business where I'm 100% owner before. Love it. So it's essentially finding what other people have to offer that that complements what what you bring to the table, basically. Yeah. Yep. Um, Awesome. So, so walk us through kind of that first, you know, first real estate, I guess, company, and then how have things progressed up through today? Yeah. So we had, uh, we had, like I said, some cash. We, had, we were blessed to have some cash sitting in the bank. We um, went after a self storage development project as our very first deal that we ever tried, hmm. which oh. I don't rec, I don't rec <laughs> doing that. Looking back, I would have, um, I would have bought a, uh, property instead so of that's built a, so that's a ground up construction you bought the land and then built the the facility right our idea we had the idea to do this and the cash to do it in january of 2015 we didn't get the building built and opened until may of 2017 and we didn't mm-hmm. make our first dollar of profit until may of 2019 so mm-hmm. it was uh four and a half years from idea wow. to making some money so talk about delayed gratification um, yeah, that's the that's the ultimate uh, that was the ultimate deal. But we built that we built that property for two point nine million dollars all in, and it's worth eleven and a half million dollars today. And it's been a a life changing deal. That one deal um, set my family up to where I never had to work again, which is pretty insane awesome. to think about. And you still you still own that? Yeah, we bought out our partners, and and um, it's just been a great deal for everybody who got involved. Awesome, in. super cool. So. Now, I mean, I, I understand like you kind of combine real estate with self storage and, and service in that sense, but um, why the emphasis on, I guess, service businesses as, as you progress through your entrepreneurial journey? I think, well, I'm I'm not too arrogant to think that I know how to scale a product company or a software company, and I, <laughs> it's just not it's not what I know how to do yet. Will sure. I try to do it? Yes. <laughs> Is there a lot of time left in my career? Yes. I'm 33 years old. Um, but sure. I know, I know service companies. I know how to build teams. I know that the playbook is is very similar on how to build teams and deliver products, you know, services. Yeah. So I I'm a fan, and and they're cash yeah. flow positive. They're low risk, and and you can, and they can still be big, and they can still make a lot of money. Sure, makes a lot of sense. I mean, from my perspective, I mean, it really, of course, depends on the industry, but. It's a fairly fairly low barrier to entry, right? I mean, um, I think your brother owns a, a lawn mowing and landscaping company. I used to a long time ago. I'm sure his, you know, much more successful than mine was. But, but I mean, you can get in with a, you know, a lawnmower. I mean, you can start it. And so you say low risk. It's low risk in that sense as well. Just just starting it. If you try it for six months, it doesn't work. So what? You learn some lessons. Um, so that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, okay, so. I guess it, give us kind of the last five or six years. How have things really progressed with your with your businesses? I know now you've got maybe upwards of ten different businesses going on. So, talk to us kind of you know in, in a, the recent rearview mirror, if you will. So I started sharing online my experience with real estate, small business hiring, and I started writing about it. And um, you fast forward three years, and I have over three hundred thousand followers on Twitter, and and uh. uh you know, a platform that has 60 to 90 million impressions a month across everything that I do, which is just insane to wow. think about. So <laughs> when you get that kind of distribution, you know, yeah. some people look at it as, oh, I can, 
um, it's fun to tweet to people and then read my thoughts. And the first thing I thought is all the entrepreneurial, um, you know, opportunity that comes with having that kind of distribution. And everybody in my following is business owners, people mm-hmm. who are managing, people who are hiring, people who are trying to get better at running their companies or buying real estate. So it's a kind of a direct, you know, direct path into offering some services to those folks who trust me and know me sure. and partner and partnering with world-class operators. So yeah, it's a, it's a recruiting company for Latin American talent and Filipino talent. It's a recruiting company for American talent. I have a, a web development agency. I have a, a SEO agency. I have a performance marketing agency, pay-per-click agency. I have a, a business brokerage, uh, actually buying and selling businesses with that platform that I've launched recently. And just a, a lot of other fun, you know, a, a real estate, way, real estate related. We have a cost segregation firm and a, and a, uh, property and casualty insurance company, all with different partners and all with kind of the same playbook. So it's, that's amazing. I'm, having I'm, a lot sure of fun. You, I'm sure you've got a few, uh, in the hopper as well, if not just ideas, but something you're working on. But, um, I think the main reason you have, uh, such a Twitter following is, is your, uh, you know, like your your bourbon posts and things like that your bourbon tweets <laughs> i saw your uh, your recent one where i, I just i just love it that uh i mean the fact is like correct me if i'm wrong but you're kind of just toying with people a little bit um, oh, yeah yeah I, uh, I i do some you know really silly things that just trigger trigger people and and it's awesome <laughs> i think it's uh i just think it's pretty wild that a, a humongous percentage of people on social media get angry about what other humans post on social media that's not even a direct insult to them. So I don't understand who in their right mind would get upset about what somebody posts on the internet that doesn't have anything to do with them. Yeah. But that's a big that's a big chunk of people and I I enjoy uh (laughs) making those people angry. I can't help it. Yeah. For for example, for the listener who doesn't yet follow you, uh the uh you know you you'll tweet about uh paying virtual assistance five dollars an hour overseas which you know i i have vas on my team i'm a big fan of it um and people get so offended and so angry at you for you know for for i guess slave labor or whatever else you want to call it but it's hilarious to me because it's like these for the most part these vas are making a lot more than they would have otherwise with the opportunity that they're not even just vas i mean these are employees these are employees running teams and and having like key Key roles, roles inside of my business, but yeah, I've hired them through awesome. a company called Support Shepherd, which I'm a partner in, and we have 30 plus employees in Colombia, the Philippines, and uh, you know, five to five to ten dollars an hour for phenomenal talent is yeah, it's awesome, is amazing. Yeah, I wasn't planning on saying this, but there are only my only two virtual assistants who've lasted. <laughs> I'll be honest. I got through support shepherd. So I've tried other agencies. It's not, you know, you, Nick didn't pay me to say this, but that, that's <laughs> actually, it's actually a fact. Um, but my, I also enjoyed your, your recent, uh, Pappy Van Winkle one with the, uh, mixing it with caffeine free diet Coke. I think it was, but we'll let the listener go check that out. Um, <laughs> so I do have some rapid fire questions. Do you, uh, I guess, you know, looking back before I get to those questions, looking back, I mean, it, from adversity to abundance, would you say that um, you know your that that episode we talked about earlier was the biggest that that was the the most adversity you'd faced? I know you spoke to the fact that the adversity continues throughout your career. Um, what other adversity or periods of adversity stand out to you? Anything like 
uh, compared to what we already talked about? Yeah, I think the the amount of stressful situations I've been in is on. I, I can't even count them all at this point. And stress is stress is something that you, your body gets used to and your mind gets used to, and it's like a muscle. Dealing with stress is like a muscle, and the more practice you get in stressful situations, the better you're going to be able to handle yourself in stressful situations. So, mm-hmm. um, it's it's hard for me to point to the sure. numerous stressful. I mean, it's when no, you're running that. running companies and teams with you know 100 plus employees now in your network. It's there's yeah. problems all there's problems all the time that you have to that you have to step yeah. in. I mean, I love it because you're not avoiding problems. You're not avoiding pain. I mean, it, you know, it's you just get better dealing with them. That's that's so far the consistent message. I think of this episode is you have improved at, at managing businesses and solving problems internally and externally for other people. Um, and therefore, you're getting paid more because you're adding more value in the world to the world. Um, so, yeah, I, I just today's world, it's like everybody's so afraid of stress and and you know stress is bad and it's like not necessarily i mean that's where the growth happens so mm-hmm. i love that um all right you ready for some rapid fire questions let's do it what do people misunderstand about you i think i have to put a certain persona on twitter to um get points across sales copy is harsh i i write punchy i write arrogant i i have kind of very strong opinions on twitter but mm-hmm. what people don't understand is that they're pretty um, loosely held opinions. I change my <laughs> mind often. And um, the way that you win on Twitter is the way is different than the way that you win in life. So I'm not a, mm-hmm. I'm not a arrogant jerk. Like you may think <laughs> when you read my tweets. Well, I, I love the fact that it's really, it's a game, right? I mean, it's all there's different games within this, within this game of life. So you approach Twitter like any other game. Um, you're, 300,000 plus followers must be doing something right that came. Um, what's one of your biggest failures? I mean, looking back, I mean, you can frame it however you want. Some some people don't like to call things failures, but do over regret, you know, in your entrepreneurial journey, what would you, what would you look back at and say, I, I would have done this differently? That's a good, that's a good question. I, I didn't start these businesses soon enough. Um, I've had influence on, online for three or four years now and I didn't get serious about it until more recently. Um, but no, I think I, I've been blessed. I haven't, I haven't made a serious mistake that really set me back. I haven't went bankrupt. I haven't lost any properties. I haven't, you know, really let down, uh, anybody close to me from a poor decision that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really, I don't, okay. yes, there's, yes, there's minor things. Like I could nitpick my whole life and think of sure. three or 400 things that I, I made a poor decision on, or I wish I would have done differently. Right. Um, but I wish I'd have started buying storage earlier and I gotten more serious about buying it instead of building it. But no, I think I can't, I can't, uh, I can't point to any major yeah. regrets. And I, I'm pretty blessed there. That's awesome. So, yeah, and this wasn't, this isn't written in my questions, but you know, with 10 different businesses that you're involved in, how does, I mean, what is your, what does your week look like? How do you, how do you spend your time? So I have a team of people that help me run the companies. I have a, a marketing officer. I have a copywriter. I have a video editor. I have a um, operator. I have an HR person who's running payroll. I mean, so it's, it's a, a lot of, I have a lot of help and I also, you know, 
pretty clear. I'm pretty careful about who I select to run these companies, make sure they're pretty good at building teams and, and they're not going to be somebody who has no idea what they're doing when it comes to running a business. So mm-hmm. um, I spend about half my time on content and growing my personal brand because that fuels all these companies and drives opportunities. Mm-hmm. I spend the other half of, half of my time um, interacting with these operators and, and running these companies. Got it. Awesome. If you could go back and give your 18-year-old self some advice, what would that be? Man, I, I'm glad I don't. I'm glad I don't know how good it can be and how fun entrepreneurship can be, or I would never have done that first three-year mm. slog or five-year slog in that business. Like that was just so hard and brutal, and there were so many easier ways to make money that I probably would have passed it up or mm. not done it. But I'm really glad that I stuck with it. So I would, I'd say, just do it again and stick with it, and don't get, don't get too, don't set too large a goals and and pass up the necessary not fun stuff you got to do to get there. Love it. Um, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? They could be, you know, dead or alive. Obviously, you'd be having the coffee with them alive. But <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah, I don't have. I don't have a good answer for that. No worries. If you were given ten million dollars tomorrow, not saying you don't have ten million, but if somebody wrote you a check for ten million dollars, what would you do with it? I'd go and be my own LP, and the next year's were the storage deals. I'd invest nice. it all with my invest it all with my private equity company. Love it. You must believe in your company. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? One meal for the rest of my life. That's a, that. I don't know. I, that would not be fun. I, mean, I like it a lot. I like all food. There's not a single food I don't like. Actually, I love sushi. I love uh, steak. I love chicken. I'm I'm, a, I'm definitely a meat eater. Me too. Um, back to your business. What's one challenge that you're facing right now? I know there's always numerous challenges, but what stands out as like the number one or one of the main challenges you're looking at? Yeah, I've never I've never grown a company from, you know, five hundred grand a month of revenue, you know, five or ten million dollar valuation. Never grown one to the next level, and um, the next five years are going to be about me trying to do that, try to learn how to do that. So, who do you again? Not not this is not written, but who do you follow for that? I mean, you mentioned a couple of guys, you know, that are big in real estate and big on Twitter, but who do you follow from a business standpoint so that you can kind of emulate? Yeah, I have, a, I have a, I have a lot of mentors and people that I look up to, but I mean, it, this all is kind of secondary, like living a good life and mm-hmm. being a good husband and being a good dad mm-hmm. to my kids and also having fun like that stuff's important mm-hmm. and yeah. far too many of like the far too many famous or like really 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 successful people yeah i wouldn't want i wouldn't want their life like i wouldn't want sure. their relation the wake of destruction they've left behind them when it comes to relationships and you know the physical health is important and having hobbies is important it's just i look at life as a kind of a balanced thing so it's not that i don't look up to people at all but i kind of i set i i look for a mentor who as the other areas of life too, because I don't want to, I don't want to be a one dimensional person. Sure. Yeah. I, I tend to do that too. And, and try, try to pull from, you know, doesn't mean I have to do everything that that person does. Right. But I might learn from wherever they're, whatever they've obviously excelled in one area of life and then pull from someone else in another area. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I forgot, but you, you ruptured your Achilles. Was it last year? 
<laughs> I uh, uh, don't the Achilles thing. I have that's my worst fear because I play pickleball and stuff. But oh, gotcha. Yeah, uh, I, I I severed the tendon on top of my. I severed the adductor tendon on top of mine. Okay. Foot, and it was I was laid up for about a month, but gotcha. I'm, I'm about six months at post post that happening right now, and I'm right. fully recovered. So I feel really lucky. Got it. I'll try not to bring that up again with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I interrupted my Achilles playing badminton. It's super super. You know tough you know sport apparently but <laughs> um yeah. you know having i was a i used to be an athlete was in the military and then i go and rupture my achilles playing badminton so i i think you did your injury shortly thereafter so uh but uh-huh. no, i love i love the post i mean you are always posting about like hunting or just different uh things with your kids and golf and it's mm-hmm. not all about just making money mm-hmm. um What's one of the, in your industry, what's one of the, the personality traits that you think is required to be successful? I think you have to be, to generate serious wealth, you have to be charismatic and be able to bring people together. And if you can't get people excited, if you can't lead other people and make them want to follow you, yeah. um, and people are naturally, people naturally gravitate towards um, the person who has the most energy and is the most excitable and is in the best mood. So if you're <laughs> not in, not energetic, mm-hmm. not excitable, and you're grumpy all the time, like good luck getting rich. Good luck. <laughs> Love that. It's awesome. Is that something you you've just kind of always had a knack for? Or you, I mean, I imagine you're intentional about trying to develop those leadership skills, right? I think I I got a lot of it from my dad, who's loud and you know wants everybody <laughs> to be having a good time for sure. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Um, what's one thing in your field of expertise, not, not, maybe not on Twitter, but just in, in real life that almost no one agrees with you about whether it's building business or self-storage or real estate, or, um, it's just one, what's one thing that you have a real controversy? I think that, I think that wasting any energy at all on politics or world geopolitics or Mm -hmm. the Russian, the Russian war or the presidential elections or mm-hmm. a sub of submarine pod wasting any energy and time thinking or worrying about that stuff. There's a lot of people who actually worry about that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's just, that's just like the number one trait that is going to make somebody like not be able to achieve their goals is spending time worrying and thinking about things that they can't control. And almost everybody on the internet does that. And it kind of upsets me. It's <laughs> a great answer. Um, yeah, I know for me back in 2015, I made a real mental shift and stop, stop watching the news, stop, you know, I just started focusing on who's on my team, who, who can I influence, you know, what is my circle of influence? What are my strengths? And my businesses started to really grow from there. So it's great advice. Um, any other kind of productivity hacks that you have for entrepreneurs out there? Anything that comes to mind? I think, um, writing and learning how to write well is Mm. a superpower so if you can practice if you can practice writing copy writing short emails writing short punchy informational you know i I run my company with the written word period if you have to pick up the phone to get a message across you are going to get passed up in business Mm. so learning how to write well and learning how to um, write sales copy and learn how to you know, get points across and get your ideas across with mm-hmm. the written word in a, in a clear and concise way. The only way you can get better at it is to practice. But if you um, 
if you start to practice that, you're going to watch you're going to watch your uh, effectiveness skyrocket. Awesome. So speaking of writing um, or reading, what's a, a book or two that you could recommend for our listener? I like uh, there's I'll, I'll kind of say two books that are not, you know, mainstream. Everybody loves Atomic Habits and, you know, sure. uh, five, five hour, four hour work week or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah. I, I like the book Entre Leadership by Dave Ramsey. He's okay. everybody thinks of him as a super Christian, you know, no debt, like personal finance guy. But he's yeah. also a really good businessman who has grown a media empire and he's been through mm. a lot in real estate and small business. So his mm. book Entre Leadership is really good. There's also a book called The Goal by Elihu Goldratt. Um, mm. And that's about it's about bottlenecks in your business. It's a fictional story told to get a point across about business. And it's a it's a about bottlenecks and how to, you know, look th- your job as CEO or owner of a business is to remove bottlenecks at all times. Sometimes that mm-hmm. bottleneck is yourself. Sometimes it's an employee. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's the way the information's flowing around your company. But if you can remove those bottlenecks, then it kind of unlocks your business for growth. And that's a big mindset shift for me. That's great. Yeah, on the Dave Ramsey point, real quickly, I, I it's like it's like Grant Cardone. I mean, not that they're 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 pretty different, right? But people get so hung up on you know not liking Grant Cardone, you know, for for whatever reason. But it's like, who cares? He's done really well from a business standpoint and a marketing standpoint. You know, same thing with Dave Ramsey. It's like he obviously knows how to run a business and grow a business. I love that. So. Um, What's one question that you uh, that I haven't asked that you wish I had? Hmm. I don't know. I think you asked a lot of really great questions. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, awesome. We'll talk talk a little bit more before we wrap up here. Talk a little bit more about your current businesses and what you have going on today, maybe into the next year or two. Yeah. So I, um, if if people kind of want to follow along, I I don't really want to pump pump the businesses, but we'll put the links in the show notes of the different business, business services that I, that I offer. But um, yeah, if you want to kind of get a look into my brain and kind of think about how I think about managing and hiring and delegation and, and um, you know, uh, building businesses and and real estate portfolios, then my newsletter is the best resource, I think. And you can go to sweatystartup.com and sign up for my newsletter. I send a a pretty long email every Monday and it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, on so, a, on a management principle or a real estate principle that um, is, is pretty important to me. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I get a good bit of value out of that. It's really good. So I definitely recommend it. Um, this just popped into my head, but before we wrap up, what's one thing you've changed your mind on in the last 20 years when it comes to business? I changed my mind a lot. Um, I have a little, I have a little, piece of tape, a note taped to my window or my mirror when I brush my teeth every morning, it says change your mind on something today. Hmm. Just because I know that as you get more successful, as you win more at life, and as you get more confidence and more, you know, sure of yourself, it's so easy to just, you know, reject and turn away other information that contradicts what you believe. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a dangerous spot to be as an entrepreneur, especially when you're managing capital, other people's capital. And if you start to think that you know everything, then it opens you up to some serious problems in your business. So I encourage the trusted people around me to call me out when they think I'm wrong. And they do often. (laughs) And I also use Twitter and these other tools as a place where people can give me real time feedback. And if their arguments make a lot of sense and, you know, they have some credibility, then I think it's a, it's a beautiful place to start to change your mind on something. But one huge one is that I don't think, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. You talk Mm -hmm. to me, 
you talk to me three mm-hmm. years ago and I think entrepreneurship is the dream. Everybody should start a business. Everybody should found a business. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're working a normal job, then you are missing the boat. Mm-hmm. And that is simply not true. It's not true at all. I think very few people are actually designed to be an entrepreneur. Um, not very many people want that um, stress of every problem ending with you. Not many people want the hard decisions. Not many people want the confrontation. And not yeah. many people want the risk. And the and the downside of this is real. And we see it all the time. How it tears people up when they can't win or they can't make it. They can't hack it. Mm-hmm. And I also see a lot of people who are really happy and living amazing lives mm-hmm. going to work and getting home at five o'clock and hanging out with their family, exploring hobbies, doing whatever they want to do. But also, you know, I say that to say like, you can, you can apply almost everything we talked about today if you work at a company mm-hmm. and you can earn more money and live a better life by delegating, managing, you know, um, leveraging other humans and win-win scenarios to, to build where you want to be. But I think the sad truth is, is that most people are, are not better off starting a business. Mm-hmm. They, they're better off getting a job. Well, I'm glad you threw in that last part about uh, still applicable to a W-2 because all my listeners would have vanished and <laughs> dried up after this. No, I'm kidding. I couldn't agree more, Nick. I mean, it's, it's so true that it's it's not it's not for everyone. Um, but awesome. So uh, Sweaty Startup, we talked about Twitter, your website, your newsletters, anywhere else we should check out. Yep, SwayStartup.com is how you can find me. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and get a look into my brain all day, then... Um, at Sway Startup on Twitter. I really appreciate awesome. you having me. Thanks for thanks for a great interview. Yeah, it's been great. Nick Nick Huber, thanks a lot for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time. Um, and to the listener out there, thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S.com. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.